Welcome to Food on the Move, Movers and Shakers podcast, a podcast that highlights our passion for making an impact in our communities on issues surrounding food insecurity. It's all about the reason we, as an organization, do what we do, and the many incredible people using their time and talent to challenge the status quo in order to make the world better than they found it. We call them Movers and Shakers. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Movers and Shakers podcast. I am one of your co-hosts from All the Hometown Heat. I'm Taylor Hansen. I'm Kevin Harper. And I'm Daniel Stoltz. And we are pretty pumped about this guest that we have yes. today. Uh, <laughs> A we great have, episode. yes, it's amazing. We've got Dr. Daniel Amen and his wife, yes. uh, Tana Amen. And they are just incredible thought leaders when it comes to not mental health, but brain health. Brain, yeah, brain and health. how we can actually take practical steps every day to change your mind. So I'm excited about this conversation. Oh, I am too. And this is a great way to start 2023 because people coming out of Christmas, January is a month where everyone's just kind of got the blahs, mm, I guess yeah. you could say. And the we're going to go. fog. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and Dr. Eamon and his wife, are, I think they're great people for us to get to talk to and just educate us on how we can be better at brain health. For sure. Yeah. So if this cold weather is getting you down, don't you worry. We got a way for you to change your brain every day uh, with this great conversation. Uh, Ramal, do you want to tell us a little bit about our two guests? Yes. So Dr. Amen is a physician, adult, and child psychiatrist and founder of Amen Clinics with 10 locations across the U.S. He's the founder of Brain MD, And in addition, he has produced 16 national public television shows about the brain and his online videos on brain and mental health have been viewed over 300 million times. Dr. Amen is a 12-time New York Times bestseller author, including Change Your Brain, Change Your Life, and The End of Mental Illness, Healing ADD, and many more. And Tana Amen is a New York Times bestseller author, health and fitness expert, vice president of the Amen Clinics, and the world's leading brain health mentor, motivational speaker, and former neurosurgical ICU trauma nurse. Her latest book, The Relentless Courage of a Scared Child, How Persistent, Grit, and Faith Created Reluctant Healer, provides great inspiration and encouragement to others who have suffered through trauma. So they are amazing people. What a great team. Yes. They're like total power couple. One of the things I'm really excited about with this episode is, of course, throughout the Movers and Shakers podcast, we, we connect back to our passion for food and community. And one of the things I know we'll touch on um, because there is a, a deep love of the power of food, I know from Tana and from Dr. Amen, seeing the, the impact of that, um, just to be able to hear how the food that we eat and the things that we put into our body really do change our brain. And um, it's going to be a great conversation. I'm looking forward to hear her talk about that, especially the cookbooks that she has out. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to get a couple of those just to, to increase my health. Getting us hungry too. Absolutely. All right. You guys ready to jump in? Let's do it. Well, welcome to Movers and Shakers. We are so thrilled to have our next guest. And what we have is an awesome opportunity to not only talk about our passion for food and what it means to connect people to better, better food that changes their way of life and changes their health, um, but also to talk about the power of the mind, the power of the brain, and no better person to talk about that subject uh, than Dr. Daniel Amen and uh, his his wife, uh, Tanya, um, who is here and has a passion for food as well as, um, of course, the connectivity to to the mind. One of the things that uh, I'm thrilled to sort of jump off of is the, this is a small world. <laughs> you have a Tulsa connection. Of course, Tulsa is our home, home base. And uh, Dr. Eamon, 
you sort of began your journey to a degree here in Tulsa. Tell me about how that began. So I went to medical school at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. December 1978 is when we started because they opened late. They just got accredited for their medical school. And I was thrilled and actually loved Tulsa. I'm from California, where we have fires, floods, and earthquakes. <laughs> and I just never experienced a tornado. And I'm like, well, there's a lot more dopamine in a tornado than <laughs> fire, floods, and earthquakes we have here in California. Well, that's interesting. You're immediately going to a passion for the mind. And and so you're, you're saying, here you are, you've, you've go to medical school in Tulsa, which Tulsa, look, we, we love Tulsa, but certainly um, you had to choose to be there. But um, you're talking about recognizing the fact that the environment affected people's minds. Did you experience that with being around, okay, folks that are used to, oh, there's going to be this tornado, this scary thing that's going to come through and, oh yeah, we're going to get our phones out. Well, of course, at the time you weren't <laughs> lifting your phones out, but Sit out on did the you see that in me, just even in being that environment? Well, ORU was my first choice when I applied to medical school because I wanted to learn medicine in the context of my faith. And it was awesome. I was taught to pray with patients. I was taught about the four circle approach that we use at Amen Clinics. We never think of people as their diagnosis. We always go, what's the biology? What's the psychology? What's the social circle and the spiritual circle? So I find that ORU was just foundational to everything I've done since. And I'm a fellow ORU grad as well. <laughs> we have an so, ORU grad with us. Yes, I love that you connected to that mind-body-spirit. Um, you know, that was really a big part of what Oral's vision was and what it is still today. So I love that that connected you to the university. Yeah, no, you walk on the campus and there's that triangle of body, mind, and spirit. Um, I added social connection because it's just so critical we've seen in the last three years yeah. uh, with the pandemic and the isolation and the political divide and the societal stress. Um, but, but all of it matters, including Tanner wrote a book called The Relentless Courage of a Scared Child. And I think we don't talk enough about the impact of early childhood trauma mm on right. outcomes. In fact, there's something called an ACE quiz. It's on a scale of zero to 10. How many awful things happened to you when you were a child? And if you score six or more, you die 20 years well, Even wow. Even four or more, wow. you get seven, you're more likely to have seven of the 10 leading causes of death. Um, mm. So it's, it's really important thing. So, but you don't, you're not stuck with that. So the, the really important thing to know is that there's post-traumatic stress, but there's also post-traumatic growth, if you really understand that. There's resiliency also. And if you have a plan, you can't... I mean, I grew up in chaos and trauma. My score on that <laughs> 0 to 10 is 8, and my nieces are a 9, the nieces we adopted. So um, the goal is to stop that, that cycle in the next generation, but also to know and have a plan so that you are not just destined to, to die 20 years early that you can drive. You're, you're touching on so many things I want to just chase down the rabbit hole. And of course, you all both have a passion for this, but I was thinking of a couple things. One, 
post-traumatic stress versus post-traumatic growth. I, I believe I, um, there's a real connectivity to actual military folks, right? Some, a lot of use cases where you see those that, that, that overcame it and actually maximized. Mm -hmm. Um, and those of course that have that tangible, um, that tangible break that, that you just can't uncover, um, all those layers of trauma, um, Ramal is a is a veteran and experienced some a lot of extreme situations, mm -hmm. and we talk about that. We work with veterans, you know, and food, of course, is such a bridge for people. Yeah. It's such a healing place, but there's a special journey that goes on with veterans that have been that experience. Ramal, I mean, you you've talked about that before. Yeah, yeah. Um, being exposed to rockets and mortars, and you know, coming from an environment where. You know, it's it's settling environment and then going into a war environment and, you know, having that experience to where it's uh, it, it's shocking and you can't leave that space. You have to stay in that space for a whole year and to where your brain, it just turns on and it stays on. And you once you come back home, you know, it's it's not as many uh, supports coming home to turn that, you know, particular moment off. And so you have to go back into regular life. And, you know, have to experience, you know, you know, spending time with family and other things. So, you know, what are some of the, the um, you know, the studies that you guys have done as far as helping, you know, veterans to come from those war environments back into the States? So, so I'm a veteran and I spent 10 years in the Army, 16 years total with my reserve wow. and been blessed to see three wars. I first went in and when I was 18, 1972, so Vietnam was still going on. And when the first Gulf War happened, I had just gotten out and they had my file on their desk wow. taken back. And, you know, people, it's the brain that they often bring into the fight that mm. determines how they do. And unfortunately, in Iraq, they had unlimited Baskin Robbins. So just think with me, put wow. people in a chronically stressful environment, and then give them the worst possible food, you're going to have a lot more casualties than if they would have taught them how to manage the unrelenting stress that they experienced. Well, and first of all, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Absolutely. Um, but, Amazing. But there's, a, there's another um, aspect to this, and that is there are studies that have been done that show that children who grow up in chaos um, and trauma actually have very similar brain patterns as soldiers coming back from war. So they have that very similar traumatic there's a difference between physical trauma and emotional trauma in the brain. And just like with what Daniel's talking about with food, oftentimes when kids are growing up in those environments with poverty and chaos and trauma, I know for me, the tiger, the leprechaun, you know, they were my best friends growing up. So, um, so the captain, I didn't, I also, so for people who don't know. Yeah. Captain it's captain crunch, crunch, lucky charms. Uh, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Flakes. I knew exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> so there wasn't even microwavable food at the time when I was really little, I didn't, or we couldn't afford one. I didn't get one until I was older. And so it was, it was an awful diet and I was a latchkey kid. And so a lot of kids are growing up in that environment and so you add that to the chaos, the stress, the trauma, and it's a recipe for disaster. Well, one of the reasons you got cancer yeah. when you were in your 20s. I was a really sick kid. Wow. So, and then wow. I continued that. 
Well, one of the things you're hitting on it too is, is that there's hope. And so this whole podcast, you know, movers and shakers, the whole idea is, is to be inspired and to connect stories. Obviously our passion is healthy food, connecting grocery stores, rebuilding communities, working with communities, but it, it leads us to so many incredible people like you all. And, and so one of the things that you hit on is it does not mean it's not, there's no hope. There's not a recovery. There's not change that can be made like you're pointing to. So talk, talk, talk to us about that. We're, we're the students. We were inspired by your all's interest and in your, and the great work you've done, both of you. Um, what are the patterns? Obviously food, but paint that picture for how you, how you move somebody, especially a child, right? That, that is truly, everything's forming, right? It's all, all your habits are forming, all of your sense of ownership and how do I, how do I walk and talk and how do I learn? Um, that's such a significant break to, to come out of trauma and. Well, even your brain changes yeah. when you are growing up in chaos and so, trauma. So let's start foundationally. Yeah. Your brain is involved in everything you do. And it's so important. We actually have a new uh, preschool through grade one course online. And mm-hmm. It's called Brain Thrive by Five. And it really starts with learning to love your brain. Nobody mm-hmm. loves their brain. Why? <laughs> see it, right? You can see the wrinkles in your skin or the fat around your belly, and you can do something when you're unhappy with it. But nobody looks at their brain, except that's what we do at Amon Clinics. But it starts with this first foundational principle. Your brain is involved in everything you do, how you think, how you feel, how you act, how you get along with other people. It's the organ of intelligence, character, and every single decision you make. And when it works right, you work right. And when it doesn't, you don't. And so the First, we have a lot of tiny habits. What's the smallest thing you can do today that will make the biggest difference? And you just ask yourself, is this good for your brain or bad for it? And when Chloe, who's now 19, uh, our our daughter daughter was Mm -hmm. three, she and I used to play this game and we called it Chloe's game. And I'm like, hey, Chloe, is this good for your brain or bad for it? And I would say, blueberries. And she would go, are they organic? Because (laughs) non-organic blueberries hold more pesticides than almost any other fruit. And I'm like, of course, they're organic. And she'd go, two thumbs up, God's candy. Or if I said avocados, she'd say, two thumbs up, God's butter. If I said playing football, she'd look at me and get mad and she'd like, <laughs> oh, for your brain. And I remember once we were on a hike and it was a strenuous hike and she was like seven. And what did you tell her? I said, oh, you're a tough cookie. She goes, I don't want to be a tough cookie. I'm a tough red bell pepper. <laughs> <laughs> but it starts by exposing them early. I mean, that's really the key, right? It's exposing them early on and changing that pattern, things that I had no clue of. Um, and, you know, all the, the things in early childhood that I suffered from, the illnesses, the depression, eating disorders, all of those things, because we didn't know the connection, the gut-brain connection, this gut-skin connection, all of those things that we didn't know. And when I went into our second grade classroom, I drew, I wrote 20 things on the board and I said, separate these for me good for your brain or bad. Now, these are seven-year-olds. 
They got 95. They got 19 out of 20 right. The only wow. thing they got wrong was they put orange juice in the good category when mm. it really belongs in the bad category because whenever you unwrap sugar from its fiber source, it turns toxic in your body. And many parents think they're doing a great thing for their child by giving them fruit juice when they should really be giving them the fruit. Yeah. Wow. wow. So not it's not only just a neutral, like, oh, that's not so good. You you would actually categorize it as as bad. Oh, it's almost you as know, bad as yeah. Well. Yeah. Wow. 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 Oh, from my whole childhood. It's <laughs> just really, it's <laughs> all a lie. <laughs> It's not education. It just, yeah. you know, people don't know. If you, re if you watch Robert Lustig's YouTube video, The Bitter Truth, Sugar, The Bitter Truth, it's got millions of views, and it's a 90-minute science lecture. You'll never drink fruit juice again without feeling bad about yourself. Wow. Oh wow. Well, it's, wow. it's of course, you know, this is such an amazing bridge for us. And it's so insightful to hear the different perspectives that you all have, because you've, you've, you've gone through the, the process of researching and then working with people and really seeing the, the whole versus just a slice. Because when, when we're talking about reaching people that have grown up in communities with very little resources or not having a grocery store, um, when we first had the conversation, I remember when Food on the Move began, um, food desert it seems this, this sort of abstract, you know, and what you're going to bring grocery stores. Don't people just need to eat? Don't people just need to put things in their belly? And you go, you know what? Yes, absolutely. Worst comes to worst, put something in there, you know, and starvation, of course, is, is, is the worst, but, but the quality of the food truly changes your perspective. And like you're saying, your brain. And so we see f folks that are already halfway through life or well into life are now raising kids, right? They've never had family around where they're seeing that, that you know, having that conversation. How do, you, um, how do you spark, I mean, like you said, education, but have you had experience where you really have to change habits with folks? And that's hard to do. People do not like to change right. their habits, right? right? For sure. We're creatures of habit, you know. Yeah, so I actually um, did a two-year program with the Salvation Army with their addiction um, it was their largest um, addiction recovery program. And some of the people in that program had literally never seen things like a mango or had never seen fresh fruits and vegetables, like never tasted zucchini or cauliflower. Um, so I took them on grocery trips. I mean, this, you know, I, I had the luxury and the, the benefit of working with them for a couple of years, um, but it was mind blowing to see. Now I came from that place too, but I, fortunately was exposed much earlier, much like Daniel, I went to a great college. I went to Loma Linda, which was also, you know, mind, body, spirit. And so very focused on nutrition. Um, but these people had never seen any of that. And wow. so having the opportunity for them to understand how food not only affects their, their mind, their mood, their decision-making moment to moment, but their addiction. And that was really important. It was really powerful that it can actually trigger the same area of your brain, the nucleus accumbens, which is where addictions are also triggered. And so that is critical that if they're eating certain foods, they're triggering that addiction. They're more likely to make a bad decision. And so when they really understood that, they began to like, there was one that I was terrified of Thomas. He, I was terrified of him. He was a gangbanger. Um, you know, the cops <laughs> swap broke down his door, whole thing. And because of my background, I was really scared of him. I, in fact, I had, I have a strong bias against 
working with addicts because of I grew up with a heroin addict in my house. Wow. So like, wow. I'm not kind of not kidding about it. But by the end, Thomas and I had really bonded. And he was so great. And he came running up to me. He had lost 85 pounds, brought his giant pants up, gives me a big hug. And at first I was like, ah. And then we just, we really <laughs> bonded. We ended up going to the grocery store together and he completely transformed his thinking. You know, did, stopped eating sugar altogether, um, was eating, you know, fresh vegetables, fruit. And he was doing this on a rock bottom budget. We helped the Salvation Army change the way they feed yeah, these no, people. Yeah, no, they didn't have a lot of money. Not, no. Although the story is fun for me, not for her. Um, <laughs> she didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to do it. In fact, and it's actually the opening story of the relentless courage of a scared child. I was very and judgmental and not not that nice the, about it. <laughs> the director was a fan of mine, and she came to all my lectures. And then she took Tana, um, did a twelve week uh, health course, weight loss course. She lost like fifty five pounds, and then she wow. invited Tana. She lost She's a bunch like, of health problems. Can, can you help me revamp? the program and Tana's like she's like help sure. me change the menu on a budget I'm like I can do that I, that's like right up my alley and then I get there and she's like no I need you to work one-on-one -on -one with these people and I'm like no no I agreed to work on the menu not with the people like that, <laughs> that wasn't part of the agreement and so she kept pushing me and she was so nice and she had taken my program and she got well and she kept pushing and I came home and I looked at Daniel I started crying and I'm like God picked the wrong person this time I cannot do this hmm. and he looked at me like in that really annoying way that only husbands can do and psychiatrists maybe. And he's like, you know, God picked the perfect person. And I'm like, you just irritate me so much. <laughs> Oh, wow. So the two of you are really a power couple. It's really amazing it's awesome. watching you play off each other and the passions you have. Uh, we'd like to know more about, you know, creating this movement that is now the, the Amen Clinics. Tell us about that journey and, and how you feel things are going in the direction that you first started. Well, I had no clue when I first started what it would turn into. When I graduated from medical school, I wanted to be a really good psychiatrist, someone I had loved, tried to kill herself, and, and a writer. I wanted to teach the general population about what I was learning so I could have a bigger platform, a bigger message. And both of those things worked. But when I started looking at the brain in 1991 with this study called Brain Spect Imaging, it changed absolutely everything in my life. I realized we were making diagnoses wrong. Most psychiatrists make diagnoses based on symptom clusters with no biological data. And I realized um, Freud was wrong. Penis envy is not the cause of anybody's problem. It's the brain. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, I scanned my mom and she's 60. She had a beautiful brain. I scanned myself at 37. It wasn't great because I played football in high school and had meningitis as a young soldier. And I spent the last 30 some years getting my brain healthy along with, you know, it's not mental health. It's brain health. Get people's brains right. Their minds will follow. And, you know, what I didn't plan on was the controversy. 
because I'm one of seven children. I was sort of irrelevant. I was the second son in a Lebanese family. Uh, sort of like spare, you know, the whole thing. With <laughs> the <spare. laughs> but she didn't write a tell-all, though. Yeah. Except I embraced it. I'm like, he's so lucky he didn't have to, like, do the party line. And so it allowed me to do whatever I wanted. But whenever you do something that's outside the norm, people don't like you. And coming to grips with that was really hard for me. I'm so way better with it now. Well, you challenged the status quo, really. I mean, that that is to be, you. that's why we're talking because you are a mover and a shaker. You've shaken up the whole conversation. You, even the term like you're talking about, it's not mental health, it's brain health. That is something you're really pushing to change the whole conversation. Um, and it's revolutionary as, I mean, you, you see, I mean, like you said, you, you didn't think it would be controversial, but talk to us about, talk to us about that challenge. Cause people, you know, people love to see, they, they go, you know, overnight success for whoever finds themselves in a place of influence, but, but to get to a place of influence, you've had to take those risks. You've had to kind of go up against, um, conflict, which nobody wants. Um, but you, but you go through it. Well, and you know, most theologians would define hell as separation from God. Well, I know hell on earth. It's separation from your colleagues. You know, I love, love being a psychiatrist. And I used to love being part of the American Psychiatric Association. I got a research award in 1987. And I was sort of in the family. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, well, don't you think we should be looking at the brain? You know, what medical specialty never looks at the organ they treat? And it's like, no, no, we don't do that. That's weird. That's not wow. right. And, you know, growing up, my father's favorite word, I mean, he had two favorite words. The first one was no, right? No matter what you asked him, the answer was no. And his second favorite word was bullshit. And I picked that up when people said you shouldn't look. I'm like, are you insane? How do you know that depression's one thing? Depression's probably a dozen different things. Mm -hmm. And if you never look at the brain. And, and it was really hard for me the first four years. And then I got a call late one night from my sister-in-law who told me my nine-year-old nephew, who was also my godson, Andrew, attacked a little girl on the baseball field for no particular reason, out of the blue. And 999 child psychiatrists out of 1,000 would have put him on medicine and put him in therapy. But my first thought was, let's look at his brain. And it turned out he had a cyst the size of a golf ball occupying the space of his left temporal lobe. And wow. when the neurosurgeon drained the cyst, his behavior completely went back to normal. And it was at that moment wow. the war began and I embraced my position as a warrior and you know and it's been on since um, but but it was even a fight back then to even get someone to drain it initially so that even then even when he they knew it was a cyst they're like we don't really want to drain the cyst like it was bizarre he finally found a neurosurgeon who agreed with him who drained it and it and the behavior went back to normal so there's wow. this, this disconnect between psychiatry and, and the rest of medicine. Right. It's like, you just have to ask yourself, why 
if you want to kill yourself, nobody's looking at your brain. The, or, the organ yes. of behavior is your brain. If you want to kill someone else, like we heard about this horrible massacre in L.A. over the weekend of a 72-year-old man. Who was already having people. problems. He was showing some symptoms of and, bizarre and it's behavior. Like, but nobody would look at his brain. And then we'll say he's bad. And clearly what he did was evil. But... If we're ever going to understand it, we have to understand the brain. Yes. We have to yes. respect the brain. And it starts early. But, you know, I had to take English 12 times to get out of high school. In <laughs> yeah. brain health over and over and over again. Yeah, it's, it's, we still are stuck on this idea that everything is a matter of free will. But what if you have a head injury? What if you've done meth in the past? What if you, you know, that sort of eats or into your free will. what if will. your mother did meth? Right, right. Yeah. What if it's not even your fault because someone else did drugs when they were pregnant with you? Um, that sort of eats into that free will a little bit. Yeah. So your decision-making process. And like you were talking about seeing seeing a bigger picture, look, looking at it from a whole different perspective, having the courage, really you're talking about the courage to to challenge what is standard. A big thank you to Webco, North America's foremost provider of innovative tubing solutions, for sponsoring the Movers and Shakers podcast. Since 1994, Webco has provided high-quality carbon steel, stainless steel, and other metal specialty tubing products designed to industry and customer specifications. With five production facilities in Oklahoma and Pennsylvania, and eight value-added facilities in Oklahoma, Illinois, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Texas, serving customers globally. Webco has been such an incredible supporter of Food on the Move and 100% committed to building a trusted company for their teammates, customers, business partners, investors, and community. Learn more about strength, agility, and innovation of Webco at www.webcotube.com. So you guys are you know, on a mission to, to take this war head on. Um, how are you guys taking the steps to accomplish this incredible mission, just one person at a time or even just a community at a time? Well, we have a nonprofit foundation, Change Your Brain Foundation, that is dedicated to this. And we do it by providing service to people who can't afford it, by creating educational programs. We have a high school course called Brain Thrive by 25. We had an independent group at Concordia University study it in 16 schools, decreases drug, alcohol, and tobacco use, decreases depression, and improves self-esteem. And then we have a research department that has published some of the world's largest imaging studies. So for example, we talked about war earlier. We can separate uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, so think emotional trauma, from traumatic brain injury with very high levels of accuracy. Now, why is that important? Because the treatments are the opposite. So if you misdiagnose someone based on their symptom clusters, you hurt them. But the symptoms are often the same. So that's wow. what's important. The symptoms are often the same. They have sleep problems. They're irritable. They're Violence. anxious. But with emotional trauma, our goal is to calm the brain. But if you're starting with, a, with low activity in your brain and you calm it, you can disinhibit someone and actually make 
them works. You actually tell this story in your book. Yeah, no, when I was younger, um, a psychiatrist basically asked me a few questions. I just had gotten done with um, treatments for thyroid cancer and I went into depression. No one, no one thought to ask me, oh, maybe it's thyroid related because I had no thyroid in my body at the time. Um, and so I'd just gone through, you know, a bunch of treatments and surgery and whatever. And they just were like, oh, let's just put her on Prozac. And that was completely the wrong medication for me. Found myself acting in very bizarre ways. Went back and told him I'm not acting like myself. He doubled my dose. And I found myself wow. doing very crazy things. It's all in my book. <laughs> but I, this is not normal. I found myself in a foreign country on a dare with no passport. I lost it. It was. It's very dangerous. I could have done oh. a lot of things that would have really messed up my life. So that's just an example of what happens to people when they're put on the wrong medication. I was just one of the lucky ones. So right. I did. <laughs> and, and so I, I have a question, another question here. So the v different various forms of therapy, like ITR therapy, emotional tapping, and, you know, the different methods in, in therapy, are those some of the same uh, um, methods that you guys use? Or is it just going directly into imaging, brain imaging, and then kind of like giving tools for people to utilize at home as well? Well, we start with imaging, because if mm -hmm. you don't look, you don't know. I mean, how do you really mm -hmm. know? Is it emotional trauma? Is it physical trauma? Is it ADD? Is it infections, you know, thinking of soldiers? Is it toxins? Because some of the burn pits really did a negative number on um, warfighter brains. So it starts there for us. And then it's always about how do we get your brain healthy? And then how do we program it? So things like EMDR and tapping, we love them, we use them all the time, but they work much better if your brain is healthy. They really have a hard time working if your brain... I like, and the your, I like your example of software hardware. Give them the... Yeah, no, I think of the... You know, when we think of these four circles, the biology is the hardware and the psychology... Mm -hmm the software, the social circle, or the network connections, and the spiritual circle is why the heck do you care? Well, if you're gonna do mm -hmm. software programming on people who have hardware problems, it's not going to work that well. Mm -hmm. and, and vice versa. Well, yes. you, you yeah. need all of the circles working together all of the time. Tanoff and says it's sort of like four wheels on a car. Mm -hmm. If one of them's off, the car's not going very far. I'm thinking of so many questions that come to mind, um, but just on the subject of really inspiring people to to be willing to be disruptors, really, again, and sort of challenge to seek something better, because I genuinely believe, um, you know, if you feel you're up against something uh, that is challenging, more than likely, you're being presented with something that is meant to teach you something, something you're you're probably capable of getting through, but it feels impossible at the moment. Um, when you're thinking about changing the conversation around moving to brain health versus mental health, do you have situations, you know, obviously there's many, where you go, wow, we're really misdiagnosing this particular symptom. You know, you see a pattern, I'm sure, of people coming to you with, um, I've heard this from the doctor and do you say, gosh, this is one where we're really missing it, where brain health versus mental health discussion um, is, I'm sure there's many, but are, is there one that just kind of jumps out, go, wow, we're really getting this wrong and it's hurting a lot of people? Well, 4% of people with schizophrenia will test positive for Lyme disease, an infectious disease. 
I think with COVID, we're having a lot more, I mean, we're having this explosion of mental health stuff, and it's not really mental, it's brain, that COVID causes, and the COVID vaccine can cause inflammation in the brain. And when you get your brain healthy, but your mind just tends to be better. I mean, we really have to get this foundational principle, your brain, the moment by moment, physical functioning of your neurons, your brain cells creates your mind. And if your brain's not healthy, you're much more likely to be anxious. You're much more likely to have panic disorder. You're much more likely to be depressed. And if you go, hey, Daniel, single most important thing you've learned Mm -hmm. from 225,000 scans, mild traumatic brain injury ruins people's lives and nobody knows it because most people who diagnose, quote, mental health issues never look at the brain. Well, and people don't even realize what brain injuries are. So I think that's a big thing. So the rule in my family is if you date any of my children for more than four months, I scan you. And if you don't want to be scanned... <laughs> as, any, as any good father should. That's awesome. <laughs> and when I met 17 years ago. Um, I really liked her, still do. And beautiful, smart, caring, funny, and... About three weeks after I met her, I said, you haven't seen the clinic. (laughs) I said, don't you want to see the clinic? Because I was not going to fall in love with her um, unless I looked at her brain. Yeah, he gets gets credit for most original line. Like, can I see your naked brain? Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. And And, and so it it worked out? Did you, did it, I mean, it. Obviously, she passed the test. I did, but uh, he kept asking me about this brain injury I had. That was my point. And I'm like, I've never had a brain injury. Now, mind you, I was a neurosurgical ICU level A trauma nurse. So for me, brain injury means coma. It means you've got a drain in your brain. It means you've got part of your skull missing. That's what a brain injury means to me. But and I so, And I, I'm like, I've never been unconscious. I've never, like, that's never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. And so finally, he kept asking me questions. Did you fall out of a tree? Did you? He goes through this whole list. I'm like, no, no, no. Ever been in a car accident? I'm like, well, yeah, but I didn't pass out. I walked away from it. And he's like, tell me what happened. I'm like, well, my sister was going 75 miles an hour, fell asleep, rolled the car two and a half times, and it ended up upside down, but I walked away from it. And he's like, did you hit your head? Besides being shaken all over the place, did you hit your head? I'm like, well, yeah on the center console and he's like i can see right where it's at and so that's my point that people often don't realize that they have hurt their brain in some way and that's not a minor (laughs) (laughs) for the listeners um talk about minor traumas like things that people you're talking about that there are many cases where people have suffered trauma they're not aware of it they 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 got tackled on the football field. I'm thinking they fell down the stairs as a kid. Talk about the kind of things that, that fall into that category. Well, all of, all of the above. Uh, yeah. I did the big NFL study when the NFL was sort of lying. It had a problem. And it's not the big hits. It's the thousands of subconcussive blows that damage the brain. Actually, the famous heavyweight boxing champion, Joe Lewis, said that. He said, it's not the big hits that cause dementia, it's the thousands of little hits. And 
you know, from skateboarding and not wearing a helmet to skiing to cheerleading, which is one of the most dangerous sports, especially if you're tiny and you're a flyer, um, your brain is soft, about the consistency of soft butter, tofu, custard, somewhere between egg whites and jello. And it's housed in a really hard skull that has sharp, bony ridges. And I saw someone last week who was a cheerleader and fell. And you can just see it in her temporal lobes, the area of her brain involved in mood and memory. Now, if you don't know that and you just give her an SSRI like Lexapro or Prozac, you can actually make her worse, like Tana described. I need to repair her brain. And when you repair her brain, you repair her life. Well, and there are some things people Amazing. don't even wow. um, I mean, I know, I know this stuff. And I've practiced martial arts for 15 years. Absolutely love it. It's like my passion. It's my therapy. Um, but I didn't even realize, because I, I have always said, nobody gets to hit me in the head. It's just my rule. I'm practicing this because I love it. Um, I often take private lessons for that reason. But one thing I was doing was holding pads for guys that were much bigger than I was and didn't really think about it because it would often like jar me. It's very jarring when you hold pads and someone's kicking them and they're much bigger than you are. And when I got my next scan, I'm like, that scan doesn't look that great. Why? What's and then I started thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I feel that. I feel myself being thrown backwards every time. So it's those types of little things you have to be thinking and conscious about and educated about because they affect your brain. So amazing. Props the pads. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder if some of our listeners are especially the moms out there that have accidentally <laughs> hit their kids' head while they're putting them in the car seat, oh, you know, gosh. or something <laughs> that are freaking out right now. But um, I'm. Really interested in talking about your new book that's coming out in March. You've got Change Your Brain Every Day, which I think is interesting because people talk a lot about changing your mind, your mental focus. But I love that you're talking about your brain. So can you tell us some practical ways that we can take steps to accomplish that, to change our brain every day? So brain and mental health are daily practices, just like spiritual health, just like physical health, brain and mental health daily Practices. So in the book, there are 366 short essays. The most important things I've ever said. I think this is my most important book. And at the end of each day, there's just a simple exercise to do. And, you know, it starts with, is this good for my brain or bad for it? Or start every day with today is going to be a great day. And that way you're directing your mind end every day. I do this every night and I've done it for years and years with, I say a prayer and then I go, what went well today? And I start at the beginning of the day and just go hour by hour looking for what's right. So my sleep is better. And I talk about bright minds. You want to keep your brain healthy or rescue it. You have to prevent or treat the 11 major risk factors that steal your mind. And so there's a there's actually a couple of days on each risk factor. So, for example, low blood flow is the number one brain imaging predictor of Alzheimer's disease. Do wow. whatever you can to protect your blood flow in your brain. So that means get off the couch, exercise, supplements like ginkgo, foods like beets, all can be amazing. But it basically, it comes down to this one question. You live, you tattoo, if you're like me, is this good for your brain 
or bad for it. And if you love yourself, right? None of this is about deprivation. If you're thinking, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that, then you're a baby in brain health. <laughs> you know, you have to like grow up, right? Yeah. Do the right thing. Drew Carey said it best. Eating crappy food isn't a reward. It's a punishment. Mm. So, love yourself. And I know the food in Tulsa, right? I know all those barbecues. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, <clears throat> we can make that stuff healthy. And Tana's cookbook, she has eight cookbooks. Uh, she uh, rehabilitates food. <laughs> Well, we need to, we would be so honored. You need to come visit and see what we're trying to do here in Tulsa with growing food, with aquaponics and hydroponics and inspiring young people to connect with food. I mean, you all, we could learn a great deal from that, that experience. Um, and, and kind of jumping, making that bridge, um, gut health specifically, they talk about, man, I, you know, I got a gut feeling. Mm-hmm. Is that a, that's a, that's a thing. That's a, talk about, talk about the connectivity between your, the actual thinking um, connectivity between what's going on in your gut. So the, you just posted a bunch. Well, I posted Instagram. it on the skin. So there's actually the brain. So people are talking a lot about right now, the brain gut skin axis, which is really interesting. Um, Cause it's all connected. What's good for your brain is good for your heart is good for your gut is good for your genitals. It's all connected, right? But I mean, people don't want, they, they often want the simple fixes. But think about, you know, you get butterflies in your stomach when something happens. You get, you know, you get GI issues when you're under stress. I mean, all of those things, it's, it's not really magic. It's not, you know, something crazy. We just don't often think about it. Um, but your gut, you, you produce more serotonin in your gut. It's like 90% of the serotonin in your body is made in your gut. So if your gut isn't right, your brain is never going to be right. You, you have to get your gut right. Leaky gut is the cause or permeability, gut permeability. If you have an unhealthy gut, causes more problems with every part of your body, but definitely with your brain, with depression, brain fog, all of these issues, anxiety. Um, it really does start with your gut. At our clinics, you're going to go on a gut healing program and we want you to do, get your diet right. If we can get your diet right, we can make everybody at least feel better. Even if we can't prevent all medication, we can mm. prevent it in a lot of people or at least reduce the amount of medication. So it's a really important thing. You hit on a personal one, brain fog. I'd like to understand what's actually happening because <laughs> I wish I could experience that too often. Yeah. Um, maybe, who knows, thousand things, stress, probably food, of course. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is if you had COVID, you probably have inflammation in your brain and then more brain fog. Also, it could so. be hormones. So you want to get your hormones checked. I mean, see, we go through the whole biopsychosocial, spiritual. You got to look at all of it. Right, mind. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, but so the first place to start with brain fog is know your important health numbers. Yeah. So just like Tanner was saying. Is it thyroid hormones? Thyroid. Is it testosterone? Do you have inflammation? Is your gut leaky? Um, are you exposed to toxins? One of my favorite apps is called Think Dirty. It's not what you think it is. It <laughs> allows you to scan all of your personal products and it'll tell you on a scale of one to 10 how quickly they're killing you. And so, for example, um, before I learned this a dozen years ago, I shaved with Barbasol for like 
50 years, every day on my face. And on a scale of zero, zero is healthy, 10 is kill you early, it's a nine. So I'm putting kill you early on my skin every day. That will aid you. Now I use something called kiss my face, which is a two because it doesn't have toxic stuff in it. And I do that because I love myself. I do that because I love Tana. I love my family. I don't Mm -hmm. ever want to be a burden to them. And we have six children. But quite frankly, I never want to have to live with any of them. And (laughs) I want to be independent. And I don't want them when I'm 80 or 90. Dress for sure, not dressing (laughs) me. Mm -hmm. You know, not... Taking my driver's license from me, you know, not trying to give me soup and remember all the times I disciplined them. No, don't. Yes, it It turns around on you. Well, just I connect very much to that. I have seven children. And as um, I want to just, yeah, we have seven. My wife and I have seven. And I have to give credit to my wife. She's huge fan of uh, both of you and, and loves. We really gained like millions did a lot of. Um, a lot of just great insight during COVID with the videos yeah. and the contents posted online, Dr. Amen, especially. And, and um, talk about our, um, con- we met, connected with Food on the Move at this great gathering in, uh, in LA. Uh, Paul Mitchell does so many unique things. Paul Mitchell Salons, we work with them at Food on the Move where we bring free haircuts. But I loved, um, I loved seeing, part of, part of what I noticed what you're talking about with your book is you started with positive thinking and relationships. Um, people, the the, con- the connectivity with people is such a huge deal. And I found uh, it was so great to just be able to sit across from you and just see your passion right out of the gate for what you all do. And of course, we have a passion for what we're doing with Food on the Move. But the family connectivity um, you know, is is such a critical one, right? That's the foundation of so much. Um, and it's rare to have somebody say, I have six, I have seven, this day and age. Um, how do you, how, how do you connect with folks and sort of talk about, you talk about the whole picture um, when, when you don't have that reinforcement, because when you have the, the support of family, when you have the, the strength of family, that's, that's something that's immeasurable in the value that it, that it brings you. Well, it depends on each of their brains for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, family is uh, reinforcing and rewarding or stressful. Depends. Yes, yes, yes both. Yeah. Their habits and their brain health. I mean, Tan and I adopted our two nieces because their parents couldn't stop using drugs and being bad parents. And, you know, incredibly stressful for them. Tana talked about her A score was eight. Well, theirs was nine, right? They virtually saw all that trauma. And, you know, and they're both doing really great. And we are blessed to help. But uh, on the other side of that, isolation, loneliness is a major cause of depression and a major cause of dementia. And, you know, with the lockdowns, um, it just dramatically spiked a whole bunch of brain and mental health issues. Yeah, it really did. And it's so interesting. It was so interesting to see how some people really 
actually appreciated it. Like for me, selfishly, my daughter lost her mind because she's very social and it, she was, you know, <laughs> lost her senior year in high school. She lost her mind. Uh, but selfishly, I, I got that time with, you know, I got to have her, the kids at home and we got to, you know, they were sort of forced to be with us. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't dare say that out loud, but, um, but it was, you know, so it was very interesting to see how different people are. Cause I'm sort of an introvert. Um, and so it was very different. Some people thrived and some people really did not. And isolation for some people, it just, they'll commit suicide. We just saw that great movie this, this weekend. And it was so interesting. This, uh, what was it called? A man called Otto. Oh yeah. It was so good. Cause he kept, he kept trying to attempt suicide cause he was isolated and bitter after his wife died, but he couldn't because through these series of events, like random events, th these people kept interjecting themselves into his life. And he ended up with this family he didn't want. They weren't even his real family, but he ended up with this sort of like, hodgepodge of family that just made it to where he could not kill himself. And it was hilarious. And it was such was a great movie. Happy. Yeah. And he ended up happy, even though he was not a happy person. <laughs> I, I remember thinking during the pandemic about halfway through, because we would have two hour dinners every night. We cook together, we clean up together. And I just remember how special that was. And about halfway through, I'm like, I'm going to miss this. Yeah. <laughs> and the kids, of course, wanted right. to kill Right. <laughs> yeah, well, we absolutely experienced that in our house. The extroverts were losing it and the others were going, wait, this uh, this social distance thing is working for me. I know personally. I know. Like sweatpants, good. Um, Read all the books. All the books, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's all the, like, I had all the kids watch all of the old, really old classic Academy Award winning movies with me. It was just it was so great. If you're in the Tulsa area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our monthly community food and resource festivals. Each month, we host a party with a food truck and a DJ and plenty of fun activities and resources from our community partners. Each person also receives a bag of fresh local produce. Guests are invited to pay as they can, allowing anyone to support Food on the Move to enjoy these events. While ensuring families in need of assistance have access to fresh produce, hot meals, and community resources. Our monthly events are held at Chamberlain Park, Greenwood Culture Center, and the Tulsa Community College Northeast Campus. Get all of your details at www.foodonthemoveok.com. Going back into food, you know, the fact that we're in schools a lot, we see a lot of kids eating hot Takis, hot Cheetos, and other things like that. And it does affect the mental health and the brain as well. But Tana, uh, in, in your book, uh, Relentless Courage of a Scared Child, you talk about your story and uh, how can a person improve their mental health and how can we help the children, you know, make a change in what they're eating in their environment and situations? I think part of it is changing the relationship with food and because they're, they're inundated. If you just go into the grocery store, it, it really is a war. So first of all, they don't even, like, we don't even, we, you, me, don't even realize every single day, this is based on food science. These people are literally creating a war. It's the chemicals that are put in it to, to literally trigger your nucleus accumbens. It's the chewiness, the meltiness, the, the removing the fiber from it so it, it goes down easier. It's the smell of it. It's all of it. It's the jingles. It's, I, I could go on and on. It's using sexy women. It's, it's literally a science where they know how to trigger that part of your brain. You walk into a grocery store and those foods are on 
the lower two shelves for a reason so that kids mm. will throw a temper tantrum, scream and yell if you don't buy it for them. Right. So so the worst of the foods are on those lower two shelves. So it starts when they're babies, but you got to change that relationship. So in our house, um, when I really got serious and began to understand, like I because I was not well, I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. And I did. And I took over 300 hours, you know, of functional medicine to figure this out. I got rid of everything in the house. Well, try and do that with a young child who didn't start out that way her first two years. And so what I did is I started playing games with her. If you try and just dictate, good luck with that. It's just not going to work. So I started educating and playing games, taking her to the health food store. And I'm not above bribery. So I started doing things like (laughs) treasure hunts, right? And I'll give you, um, I'll play a game with you or I'll give you a quarter. Now it's probably a dollar. I don't know. But you got to play a game. And I would give her money for every healthy thing she could find. And then I'd give her like another quarter for every 10 things that she could point out that were actually really bad for her. But the for her to replace them. To this day, her favorite place is the health food store. That nice. girl is a wicked cook. Like she can make healthy food like nobody's business. She went to college. She wouldn't even eat the food at college because she would only go to Whole Foods and buy her own food. So, so you have to educate and play a game and make those positive connections early on. Well, and one thing to also tell them is if there's a health food aisle in the grocery store, what does that say about the rest of the store. Mm. Right, right. And unfortunately, unfortunately, we we kind of associate people do associate, well, that probably doesn't taste good. That's that's healthy. That probably doesn't taste good. But that's been programmed too. Then they haven't had Tana's recipes. Yes. She make really healthy food and make it taste delicious. Like one of my Absolutely. favorite nutty butter cups. It's two ingredients. It's brain healthy hot, uh, brain healthy dark chocolate and almond butter. That's it. And that's it. And it's simple. And we teach them, you know, the more ingredients on the package, the worse it is for you. And but getting mm. kids in the kitchen early and not making it a chore, but making it fun. It's just got to be fun. You can't yell at them. You can't give them a whole bunch of commands. It's just fun. And so, and that's why my daughter cooks. Well, and I think you, because when we first met. You couldn't cook. No, I couldn't cook at all. I prayed you wouldn't cook. (laughs) (laughs) Please, no. Your mother didn't cook because she's always working two or three jobs. But because when Chloe was young, you were in the kitchen. Figuring it out. Figuring it out. She picked it up and you didn't do it in a dictatorial way. You did it in a modeling way. And every day... You're modeling health or you're modeling illness. Yeah, I cook because I have to. I figured it out and I do it because it's a service and a service to myself, service to my family. My daughter does it because she loves it. That's the difference when you do it early. Well, it's interesting. I mean, everything you guys are saying, of course, you, you are you studied it and we've seen it interacting with young people in schools. Um, I mean, one of the coolest things ever is is to see what happens at the Monroe here, the school that we have our um, agro program in, middle schoolers that, I mean, you see that they, all of a sudden they're excited uh, to make, to make a fruit roll up. That's a, that's got actual fruit in it. And right. they, they're looking at those ingredients and they're going, I can't even pronounce that. Mm-hmm. Probably shouldn't eat it. And, and, 
it is, you're exactly right. I mean, Ramal sees them every week. We do a um, focus on cooking and preparing food because during the week there's, they're growing and they're, they're, they're pruning and they're taking care of plants. Um, but you see this just a, a whole perspective change, right? I mean, you've watched it firsthand. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just seeing the kids, the fact that they didn't know what a kiwi was and how, yes. what it even felt like. You know, uh, the, the furriness of the kiwi in a sense. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, introducing new new um, fruits and vegetables to them and actually educating them on, on the benefits of the fruit and veggie uh, educates me as well. You know, uh, but having fun doing line dances in classes. We just did the uh, Cupid Shuffle in classes past Friday. <laughs> and so, you know, changing the dynamic of what only not just lecturing a student, but actually letting them be more engaged with the fruit and vegetable and dancing and playing them music that they love you know in class and just making it a whole experience yeah associating it you're going yeah i want to eat healthy that's that was a great time right 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 that's so cool i love that well i know we're kind of getting close to to winding down but uh, one thing i do want to ask you guys we we get a chance to serve the community several times a month uh, and one thing that we find is still the mental health issue is very taboo for a lot of people to want to just take that step uh, what are some suggestions or some things you would say to that person that they're struggling, they're on the fence, they know they need to get some kind of help, but they're still kind of afraid to, to cross that barrier? Uh, how would you encourage that person? I would have them think of it like a business. You know, if a business is having trouble and the owners deny it, the business is likely to go bankrupt. It's the smart person who asks for help, not the weak person. And when you get them to have that mindset, it's not, you're not mental, but your brain mm. could be better. Mm. You are not mental, but your brain could be better. See, that's why I'm so opposed to the term mental illness, because it shames people. It's stigmatizing and it's wrong. They're brain health issues. And when people see this, it just, it completely changes the discussion. Uh, so he, you said something to me early on when we were first dating that just made so much sense to me. I almost canceled my first date with him when I found out he was a psychiatrist. I mean, that's, <laughs> not, that's actually not a joke, but, um, yes. so, um, but he said something that made so much sense to me because he doesn't think like the average mental health worker or psychiatrist at all. And it just made so much sense and it changed how I saw um, because I'd been hurt by psychiatry. But when you said, if you needed glasses and I withheld glasses from you, that would be cruel. Well, treating your brain is like giving you glasses for your brain. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. Cause I was a, I was a neurosurgical ICU nurse. And I'm like, we would never withhold treatment for someone's brain. We would never withhold treatment for someone's heart. So why, why do we do that? And it's like glasses for your brain. And that just made so much sense to me. And one other analogy I like a lot is if I can have help you have 10% more access to your own good brain, would you want that? What could you do with that? And people love it. So um, I'm working on a new project on elite brain training. It's like, you know, Yes, we can fix the depression, but that's not the point. The point is I want you to be elite in whatever you do, and everybody wants that. Absolutely. Wow, that's awesome. 
I'm in. Can we sign up? We want to. We want to be. We want to learn how to train our brains. You guys, we are so grateful for the time uh, and the insight in this conversation. Um, what a pleasure to hear um, all that you have to share about brain health. And I know all of our listeners are going to go um, just discover um, all of your all of great work online, and of course the new book. Um, it, it's you know there's there's so much for us to all learn, and we're just we feel I feel like a whole new world's opened up just hearing your your conviction about Absolutely. looking at things differently. For anyone that wants to know more, where can they find more about you? Um, they can find both of us at Instagram, amenclinics.com. So amen, like the last word in a prayer, clinics.com. If they pre-order the book, change your brain, everyday.com, we actually have some special gifts for them as well. Well, it's definitely on our reading list now. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, again, thank you guys so much for being with us. It was so great to be with you guys. Wow, um, that was an amazing conversation with Dr. Daniel Amen and his wife Tiana. I just feel like I'm floored by the fact that I mean yes. orange juice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, orange juice kind of. Thought it was a good you. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've been drinking that like every time I get a cold. Right. <laughs> and of course, we you know we know there's lots of natural sugar in there, but it's just so interesting hearing just the clarity and conviction, specifically about the impact on the brain. And yes. I mean, for everybody, I think we're all if hopefully we're always learning, we're always a student. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I genuinely um, just felt a wave of epiphanies listening to the insights and and really just the power of man if we can get to the health of our brain think about how much that can unlock oh yeah, yeah. i mean sure and the elite training he's doing man <laughs> yes, come on we need it we need it but i think first you have to have the great brain scan i'm i'm kind of scared i don't want to know what they see in mind but. We, we we know we know we've all had a few traumas along the way definitely sure. but seriously thinking like when he equated us ignoring our brain or denying our brain, you know, the treatment that it needs to, you know, not allowing someone to have glasses that needs glasses. Like it's a no brainer. If someone can't see, they get glasses. You know, they're having trouble with being able to read in class. You get them glasses, but us having, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Pardon the pun, right? You know, no pun intended, but it just is amazing to think how many times we ignore the issues with Mm -hmm. our brain when it's, you know, controls so much of our life. Well, and I was really loving just the correlation with the gut health and I'm looking forward to personally just diving just even deeper into that subject as learn more about what we put in our body really does impact our brain health. If you didn't catch it during the interview, make sure to check out the new book, Change Your Brain Every Day by Dr. Daniel Amen. Coming out this March, you can go to amenclinics.com to find out about the incredible treatment and the work that they're doing every day. Well, I tell you what, it was such a great interview. They really are movers and shakers. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I mean, just from them, the 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 passion and the drive to be able to make an impact in so many people's lives, man, that's some great work. All right, that is the Movers and Shakers podcast. For more details, follow us on our website at www.foodonthemoveok.com or follow us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, or on YouTube. For all our movies and shakers around the world, keep on moving.